Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. And your number one source for Chicago Bulls news and stories. Twitter at Locked On Bulls, at Jordan C. Malley, and at Bulls underscore Peck. People have their opinion. What other falsehoods are out there? A lot of the perception things about us. Are players buying in, Jim? I, yes. Fair enough. Rebuilds are difficult. Sometimes it takes years and years. I still believe, given a a really good offseason with this draft pick that we have coming and with our ability to to get some veteran players in here alongside these young guys, we we can make a substantial leap. Kick back. Relax. Locked on Bulls starts now. My job is to prepare the child for the road, not the road for the child. And these guys are men. Here are your hosts, Jordan Malley and Matt Peck. What's up and welcome into Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, happy Thursday, everybody. Matt Peck here. Jordan Malley is uh, is off today. Hopefully, he will be back tomorrow. I'm actually heading out of town for a little camping trip tomorrow, so hopefully Jordan will have a solo show for you guys tomorrow. It's officially August 1st. We have reached the deadest month of the dead period of the NBA calendar, but we know that you guys all want your Bulls content regardless, so we are here for you. Just a reminder that you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Bulls underscore Peck. Jordan's at Jordan C. Malley. We are at Locked On Bulls. You can also hit us up on our text and voicemail line, 331-979-1369, with all of your Bulls questions, comments, concerns, reaction to the mailbag episode that we dropped earlier this week. Um, and another reminder that today's Locked On Bulls and support of Locked On Bulls brought to you by Manscaped, the number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. You may have seen them on Shark Tank. Manscaping offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code Locked On at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off at Manscaped.com with promo code Locked On. So, as I said, uh, Jordan is off today, and I wanted to hop on and do a, a shorter episode for you guys, uh, fielding a few more leftover text messages in our uh, in our inbox, and also a couple of questions uh, that uh, y'all have asked me on Twitter over the last uh, day or so, uh, because at this point, we're all kind of just making up content as we go along. Not a whole lot of news uh, in the world of the NBA. There was that brief news about <laughs> Nico Miritic turning down a $45 million offer for the Bulls this season or this summer uh, that turned out to be completely false. Uh, so why talk about that? Sorry, Sean. But um, so we, we recorded a, a Outsiders podcast episode um, on Wednesday night, and I asked people on Twitter what they wanted us to talk about. We got to some of those, but we didn't get to all of them. So I figured I would get to a few more of those here on today's Locked On. And then also uh, get to a few more text messages that we didn't get to when Jordan and I did mailbag um, earlier this week. So let's start with this one uh, because um, my my guys, Big Dave and John, and I talked a little bit about Zach Levine, uh, the the disrespect that he gets around the league um, after having such a strong season, you know, averaging nearly twenty four five and five for the Bulls. And, and why exactly it is that, that he is being slept on as, as a real star in this league. And, and if this is the year that he really finally gets that respect and makes the all-star team, 
for All-Star Weekend in Chicago and how exciting that all might be. And part of that conversation in our Outsiders pod was Levine maybe being able to do some recruiting as like the host and the representative of the host team at All-Star Weekend here in Chicago. Because we all know that some of those star players talk amongst themselves at All-Star Weekend about who's about to be a free agent, where players might want to play, who wants to play with who. And um, so here's an interesting question from uh, TK Harris on Twitter. Always appreciate TK uh, checking in and listening to our episodes. Could Levine recruit Carl Anthony Towns? Now, this is uh, an interesting thought. Obviously, Towns and, and Levine have uh, a relationship from their days in Minnesota before Levine was traded for Jimmy Butler. And Towns is on a massive max-level contract right now. And since the Jimmy Butler saga has ended, certainly seems like he is the focal point for this new generation of Minnesota. Seems like people there are happy with Ryan Saunders, Flip's son, taking over in that head coaching chair. And they all are trying to to turn a new leaf and, and start fresh. And certainly Towns is the focus of that, being one of the most talented big men in the league these days. Two-time All-Star following a Rookie of the Year campaign. Um, you know, plenty of accolades for Towns, and he's still young and getting better. So, could Levine recruit Carl Anthony Towns and might that happen uh, if the two are reunited at All-Star Weekend in Chicago I think certainly Levine has not only the fact that he knows Towns and and they played together and certainly seem to enjoy some level of friendship uh, while they were teammates in Minnesota so he has that in his pocket but he also is a growing star in this league that's starting to get a little bit more respect and notoriety. And I think a big key is what the Bulls will look like at the All-Star break. Will the Bulls be a 500 basketball team coming into the All-Star weekend in Chicago, looking like they are a young team on the rise and Zach Levine is a big part of that? Because if so, then not only Towns, but some other players that are hanging out with Levine and rubbing elbows and doing the let's talk with our mouths covered while the cameras are on us thing that we you know saw LeBron and AD doing over the past couple of years. Yeah, I absolutely think that Levine could, you know, go to go to his buddy go to his buddy Towns and say, like look look what we're doing here. We're we're building something interesting. We're building something exciting. We got a lot of young talent, and uh, you know you should you should think about coming to play here. But the issue is that. That contract that I mentioned, Town signed a five-year Supermax just last year, September of 2018. So he is on the books on this contract until the 2023-24 season. So could Zach Levine and a young, exciting Bulls team be interesting and and, and exciting enough for, for Towns to consider that? Yes, but free agency isn't coming to Carl Anthony Towns for a long time. So any recruiting that Zach Levine might do to say, hey, Towns, look at what's going on here. We got something good coming. Chicago's a big market, amazing fan base. You should come play here. Towns would have to force his way out of Minnesota and say, thanks. I appreciate all the love that this organization has given me, but I want to move on. And, you know, do what he can to force his hand and force his way out, much like we saw Anthony Davis do 
with the Pelicans this past year. But Anthony Davis did that with only one year remaining on his contract. For Towns to do that, having five years on his contract in Minnesota seems very unlikely, if not impossible. There would have to, I mean, because Davis had the card to play to New Orleans to say, hey, look, I'm not signing the Max to stay here. I'm going to leave when I'm a free agent. So if you would like to get a nice trade package in return for me, trade me now because I'm leaving if you don't trade me. Towns doesn't have that card to play right now because he's got five years on his contract. So the question of whether or not Levine could recruit Towns right now is kind of a moot point because I don't see Minnesota just giving in to say to, to Towns if he were to come to them and say, I want to trade, I want out. Because they have him under team control for the next half a decade. Another element to that question is what would it take if the Bulls were to try to orchestrate a trade to get Towns? Because obviously you would have to do some contract matching, and he's got big numbers, 27, 29, 31, 33, and 36 million over these years of his max contract. So the Bulls would have to figure that out and figure out who they're sending. Um, because right now the biggest contracts on their books, of course, yes, Otto Porter Jr., and then Levine is the next highest. So you can't trade Levine away because you're trying to get Levine and Towns to play together. And the other key is who do you keep in that front court? Because if it is a trade, you know, maybe you send Otto because it gets you close to matching those contracts, but Otto is not enough talent-wise. Minnesota would want one of the young, undeveloped, but high potential stars on this team, namely Larry Markkinen or Wendell. So which one would the Bulls prefer to keep? Which one would Minnesota insist on getting in that trade? Do you want a Towns-Markkinen front court? Do you want a Towns-Wendell front court? Both have their advantages and disadvantages. Both would be really cool to see. Um, you know, we talk about all the time about, wow, if, if Minnesota didn't make that Jimmy trade and took Lowry at seven a couple years back and had a Lowry-Towns front court with Levine in the backcourt, that would be a pretty awesome look. A lot of young talent playing together. It's a fun hypothetical. I don't think it's very likely, however. Here's another Twitter question, this one coming from Twitter McTweetface, who I think is a C-Red Fred Burner account. Um, you know, a very undescript uh, profile name and picture. Uh, those those Twitter trolls just, just lurking out there. Twitter McTweetface. I don't know who you are. You always enjoy giving me a hard time on Twitter. Uh, but um, <laughs> Twitter McTweetface asked, do you think Otto Porter Jr. had an off year last year because of all the Wizards drama stunting his growth? Perhaps... Next year, he will continue towards his previously perceived potential. Maybe Boylan uses him more as a distributor and in the post. Um, this is an interesting question to me because I, I don't know um, what you're alluding to when you talk about uh, an off year for, for Otto. I mean, if you look at his numbers, they're pretty similar. So, like, his 17-18 season with the Wizards, when he played 77 games, he averaged 14.7 points. Uh, 6.4 rebounds, two assists, one and a half steals, shot 50% from the field, which is really good. Uh, 44% from downtown, really strong. And yes, those numbers did dip a little bit. In Washington, his first 41 games before being traded, 12.6 points per game, 5.6 rebounds, 
two assists, one one point six steals. So those those numbers were the same assists and steals, almost the same points per game. Uh, and the field goal percentage dropped uh, to forty five point seven overall and thirty six point nine percent from downtown. And then when he got traded to the Bulls, he he uh, brought that field goal percentage back up, 48.3% overall from the field, uh, a really impressive 48.8% from downtown in his 15 games with the Bulls, averaging 17.5 points, 5.5 rebounds, 2.7 assists, 1.2 steals. So the you know the typical box score numbers, points, rebounds, assists, steals, were pretty much all the same. Uh, they, they took a big upswing when he got traded here to the Chicago, and his shooting numbers in his... 18-19 first half of the season with Washington did take a hit uh, and then he brought those back up when he was here with the Bulls so I guess you could say he had kind of a down year the first half of the season in Washington now was it because of all of the wizard drama uh, stunting his growth I mean I I don't know we, we can't really be sure what that was um, you know I, I think the Wizards were clearly going through a, a tumultuous season and maybe that had an effect on not only Otto but everybody as far as the chemistry of that team and in the locker room and, and uh, of course the John Wall injury was a big distraction and certainly hurt that team but when he came here in those 15 games small sample size he looked really darn good as for the question of you know does Jim Boylan use him more as a distributor and in the post this upcoming season I think Otto's most important uh, skills and contributions to this team will being a guy who can space the floor. Um, you know, I wouldn't expect him to be a 48 or 49% three-point shooter for the entirety of a season like he was in his 15 games when he came to Chicago. He's, he's a good three-point shooter. He's not that good. So I would expect that to go down a little bit. But he's still going to be a reliable floor spacer. And he's also just going to be a smart basketball player. We saw that in his 15-game stretch where he makes the correct reads based on who's on the floor, who has mismatches, either you know shoot the open shot or make the smart pass. That is one of Otto's best abilities as a team basketball player. So I expect to see more of that. We keep hearing the Boylan and the Bulls talk about how excited they are for this multi-ball handler system where whether it's Sadoransky or Kobe White or Chris Dunn, and then, of course, Zach Levine using his opportunities as the lead ball handler. Zach Levine, uh, you know, seizing moments to distribute. Lowry marketing, grabbing defensive boards and running in transition offense and marketing handling the ball at times. And, yes, Otto Porter as well. Otto doesn't have great handles, so I don't think he's going to be a primary, you know, distributor on this team. But you can use the word distributor in different ways, as I said. I don't see Otto like bringing the ball up a lot this season, but you know, as as far as distributor, the dude's gonna you know I, I would I would not be surprised to see his assist numbers, two point seven per game in those fifteen games for the Bulls, go up a little bit, because he's that smart of a player and he makes the right reads and he makes the right passes and the opportunities will be there for him to get his open looks and knock down shots, but he's also a smart enough player to to see, oh, Markin has got a mismatch in the post. I'm going to give him the ball. Or, you know, I see Levine making this backdoor cut. I'm going to get Levine the ball. That is what I see Otto doing and doing well this season. Playing in the post, not so much. That's never really been a strong suit to Otto's game. But 
finding other players who have mismatches in the post. That is something that Otto showed us he can do in 15 games that no Bulls point guard was really able to do at all last season. So there's that. This next Twitter question comes to us from Justin Keene. Uh, can you talk about how the Bulls should take a page from the Kings and run a really fast-paced transition offense? Um, yes, absolutely. Please and thank you. We all know because we saw Boylan just slow things down to a terrible pace uh, that was hard to watch when he took over last season. And we're going to slow things down, he said. You slow things down, it's easier to eliminate mistakes. And how many times do we just see the Bulls run this super slow half-court offense where you're just throwing the ball into Rolo to establish your offense? And credit to Rolo. He, he made the most of those opportunities. But in today's NBA, yes, Boylan is, is correct. And the faster you play, the more likely you are to commit those mental mistakes and those errors and those turnovers. And the Bulls had issues with turnovers last season, no doubt. But you also maximize your opportunities to score when you play faster. And for this team that for so many years talked about getting younger, more athletic, using opportunity to score with transition offense and never actually did that and did things that, as far as building a roster, were the, had the opposite effect, we now actually finally have a very young team that can play very fast. And the newest addition to that young, fast roster is Kobe White, who we're all very excited to see get out and run. Um, but so here's an interesting thought as far as the Bulls taking a page from the Kings who did really show some nice things. You know, they have all that young, fast talent, uh, you know, in particular De'Aaron Fox and the way that he was able to get out and run, uh, and you know, had, had Bagley running the floor with him last season. This is, um, an interesting look at the Bulls and their failure to maximize Levine's efficiencies as a transition offensive threat last season. Uh, and it comes from our buddy Mark Strodman, who does amazing work covering the Bulls at NBC Sports Chicago. So here is this stat from Mark. On the ni- of the 19 guards who averaged 20 or more points in the NBA last season, the highest transition points per possession rankings Number one, hey, guess who it is? It's the Kings, who Justin was talking about. Buddy Heald at 1.21 points per possession in transition. Zach Levine, second on that list at 1.19. Warriors Clay Thompson at 1.19. Transition catch and shoot threes, of course, no surprise there. Devin Booker, 1.16. And then... Washington Wizards star Bradley Beal at 1.14. So again, that is the 19 guards who averaged 20 or more points per game last season, the top ranked among them in highest transition points per possession. Zach Levine coming in at number two of that group. Now, here is their transition frequency of that same list of players. Buddy Heald, 26.1. Bradley Beal, 20.9. Devin Booker, 19.7. Clay Thompson, 18.2. Levine, last of that group, all the way down at 14.1%. So, what do those two sequence of stats and rankings tell you? 
of the 20 points per game scoring guards in the league last year, Zach Levine was the second most efficient scoring in transition points per possession scenarios. But he had, of that group, the lowest transition frequency. So to put it bluntly, and as Mark Strotman said, as the follow-up to that great stat, it would be a good idea to get Zach Levine in the open court more next season. Yeah, good call. And it's not just Zach Levine, but as Justin said, the Bulls as a whole, as a unit, as a young athletic unit, get out and run. And we hear the team, we hear the coaching staff, we hear the front office talking about how excited they are to get out and run after we saw Boylan slam on the brakes last season. Will they let them do it? Will the Bulls get out and run? And will, if Zach Levine is given more of those opportunities in transition offense, will he be as efficient as he was in his limited opportunities to get out and score in transition offense situations last season? That's the hope. We saw the Kings do it last season. We saw a number of younger teams decide that that's the best way to start to play. That's the way to score and maximize your efficiency on the court. Score before your defense can get before your opponent's defense can get set. And the Bulls are fast enough and young and athletic enough to do that. Now it's just a question of whether or not they will. All right, now let's take a couple of texts from that text voicemail line and we will get out of here. Just a reminder again, that number for the Locked On Bulls, voicemails and texts, 331-979-1369. Somebody from the 815 says, saw an article on Bleacher Report on best 23 players under 23 years old in the NBA, and they have Lonzo Ball higher than Markkanen. The disrespect is real. True. I uh, I know this uh, this column from Bleacher Report you are talking about. And uh, the Bulls do have two players on that list. And it's 23 or younger, so Zach Levine at 24 is ineligible. Um, But so I believe it was Wendell Carter Jr. at 19 on that list and Lowry Markkinen at 17. So at least you have a couple of your young pieces of this Bulls core being, you know, being mentioned, being respected for making that list. Bleacher Report does a lot of different content. They make a lot of rankings lists. Um, Some of them are spot on, and some of them are certainly questionable. Um, When you look at some of the other players on this list, you know, uh, Miles Bridges at 21, uh, Kevin Herter of the Hawks coming in at 20, as I said, Wendell at 19, R.J. Barrett at 18, Lowry at 17, John Morant at 16, And then in that next tier of the low teens, working down to 10, is where you have Lonzo Ball at 15. John Collins, 14. Bagley, 13. Aiton, 12. Jalen Brown, 11. Gilgis Alexander, 10. Uh, Tied for 8th, Brandon Ingram of the Pelicans and Jaron Jackson Jr. of the Grizzlies. Trey Young at 7. Murray of the Nuggets at 6. Booker at five, Tatum at four, Fox of the Kings at three, Zion at two, and no surprise, Luka Doncic at one. So, is it disrespectful that Lowry Markkinen is two spots behind Lonzo Ball on this list? Yeah, probably. Would I rather have Lowry Markkinen 
building on my young NBA team more than I would have Lonzo Ball? 100%, without question. That's my that's my personal preference. I, I know that there are still some Lonzo stands out there who would say, you know, eight days out of seven, they would take Lonzo over Lowry. And we still are waiting to see just how good of a new age Magic Johnson type player Lonzo can be and whether or not he can actually develop a reliable shot to complement his skills on the court as a distributor. Same question exists for Ben Simmons right now. But, I mean, should you know if, if I were making this ranking of twenty best 23 under 23, would I have Markin and higher than 17? Yeah, without a doubt. But, you know, you want to get upset and angered over a, a random Bleacher Report rankings? You know, I, I try to not let this kind of stuff get to me. And it also is a situation where, you know, maybe Lowry sees that. Maybe Lowry sees, wow, 17? You got, you got players, you know, like John Collins and, and Lonzo ranked ahead of me. Player, my, rookies who haven't even played a single NBA game yet ranked ahead of me. Wendell saying the same thing about being a 19. They take that as a slight. It's a chip on the shoulder. It's motivation. It's whiteboard material. And they use it as motivation. Zach Levine, and, you know, we were talking about this on our Outsiders podcast earlier this week. We touched on it a bit uh, to open today's show, talking about whether or not Zach Levine might start to get a little bit more respect if he is essentially the Bulls host of All-Star Weekend this season, making his first All-Star team. Zach Levine, Lowry Marketing, Wendell, a lot of people on the national scale doubting their talents, their abilities, their ceilings, and some of the sexier names that have come out of the NBA draft over the last couple of years get a heck of a lot more attention. And it goes back to something that we were talking about on Outsiders, is that, well, the the players on, on god-awful teams aren't usually getting a lot of national attention. If the Bulls had 32 wins instead of 22, you know, like teams like, say, the Atlanta Hawks, who were not great but better than the Bulls, the Dallas Mavericks, who were not great but better than the Bulls, and their young stars like Trey Young and Luka Doncic got a heck of a lot more attention. The Bulls have to start being less of a dumpster fire they have to start being a more respectable team that's not in the basement of the Eastern Conference, and then you will start to see their young stars, if they continue to take steps and develop their games, get a little bit more respect. And let's finish up with Jack from Peoria, who says, you guys are my favorite thing to listen to while delivering. Thanks, Jack. Appreciate that. Just wanted to know if there's any way for Gar and Pax to screw up the offseason from this point on or are we in the clear and I can relax thanks uh thanks for checking in Jack good question I would say at this point the only way in which we can have a disastrous Garpax faux pas or disastrous Garpax decision transaction what have you is if they decide they really need to move Chris Dunn before training camp arrives and they somehow manage to flub that trade that possibility still exists. It's looking more and more likely. You know, we could have sworn that Dunn was going to be gone by training camp because we've heard that they've been trying to shop him. There haven't been that many interested parties. Dunn wants a fresh start. The Bulls drafted Kobe White and added Adoransky. They've got a backlog 
at that spot. They brought back Ryan Archie Diacono and Shaq Harrison. Everything about the situation says that they're done with Chris Dunn. But they also have kind of made it clear that they don't want to just trade him for nothing. Maybe they'd try and keep him in that rotation and build up his trade value coming into the 1920 trade deadline. So if they do still really want to get this headache off from above this team so that training camp, yes, there's competition coming into training camp, but none of it's a negative energy kind of competition. None of it's bad locker room chemistry kind of stuff. So if they decide we got we to gotta move done before training camp, then what do they do? What teams do they talk to? And what do they try to get for done? Because to me, like, look, might they end up having to sell low on Dunn compared to what his actual eventual NBA value could be? Yeah. Could he be a competent backup guard on a competitive team in this league? I believe so. And they probably, if they decide they need to get rid of him before training camp arrives, they probably won't get that value for him. So in in that sense, yes, it is still possible for Gar and Pax to execute a trade that some deem to be selling low, giving up a player who was once the fifth overall pick, highly you know highly touted you know lottery pick, big part of the Jimmy Butler trade, essentially trading him for scraps, trading him for nothing, just because they want to move on, get their roster down to fifteen and alleviate some of the logjam at that position. They could screw that up if they decide that they have to take care of it before training camp starts. So, sorry, Jack. Yes, it is still possible. Having said that, I, and I think many of the people who are paying close attention to the moves that they have made this offseason, are largely happy with what they've done. Will Kobe White end up being a reach at seven? Maybe did they miss out on taking a chance on a player like Cam Reddish? We will see when we see. But they told us they were going to address the point guard situation, perhaps in the draft and free agency, and they did that. The Sadoransky and Thad Young signings, in my opinion, were very smart basketball smart moves that weren't about Chicago guys they weren't about selling tickets they weren't about selling jerseys they were about making the roster better so for the most part I think they can get some credit for what they've done this offseason but don't don't take a nap yet Jack because if they decide they got to move Chris Dunn we got to wait and see exactly how that gets done Uh, all right so that is it for today thank you all for continuing to throw us Bulls content for the dead part of the season, not only on our Texas voicemail line, but on Twitter as well. Keep it coming. We will try to keep the content coming for all of you, Bulls Nation, because we know you are the craziest fans out there in the NBA. And even though it is August, you still need daily Bulls content, and we are here to provide it for you. Just a reminder, again, you can follow me on Twitter at Bulls underscore Peck. Uh, If you haven't checked out that Bulls Outsiders podcast I did with Big Dave and John earlier this week, go check that out on NBCSportsChicago.com. You can also catch that on Spotify, all the main uh, podcast channels as well. Um, Hopefully, Jordan will have a solo tomorrow to bring you into the weekend. I'm um, I'm heading up to Wisconsin on a camping trip with some buddies. I usually don't like going to Wisconsin in general. I avoid that state. I have a moral... Uh, I have a you know moral objection to just being in the state of Wisconsin, especially as we get closer to football season. But I'm going behind enemy lines. If I see anybody wearing Packers gear, I'll tell them to go to hell. 
you have my word on that. Uh, all right. So for Jordan Malley, my partner, I am at Paxan. Thanks so much for listening, Bulls Nation. Have a great weekend. I will be back to talk to y'all on Monday of next week. Take care. Locked on Bulls, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. Locked on Bulls is live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, starting at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central. For more content and to stay up to date, head over to LockedOnBulls.com. 